Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. You guys have always been asking me about different kind of diets that can accelerate human performance, whether it be keto, carnivore, paleo, vegan, and often if you've known me personally, there has to be a chance that you've come up to me and asked me about something about the ketogenic diet for the past so many years. And today, I have decided to solve your confusion. <laughs> today on the show, I have a nutritionist who specializes in the ketogenic diet and exercise physiology. Her goal, everyone, is to transform people's lives to, and start living again. She specializes in brain neurotransmitters and how food can increase mental wellness. She's got expertise that takes her all around the world. And she talks about the ketogenic diet. She posts so many nice recipes. She's also a cook with Haley Berry and writes for Haley's website. Now, I can't tell you enough because she's just done so much. Maria Emersh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to have you. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Did I you get know that what? right? I would never get mad if someone mispronounced my name, but it's it's Maria Emrick. Emrick. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. That's right. first world problems, right? We'll just we'll just edit that part. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I don't care. I'm serious. It's good. All right. Perfect. Welcome, Maria. And um, so the ketogenic diet. Everyone has so many different versions of it everyone's some of the people are confused every time i speak to them and everyone's like hey how do you start this and how do i get started so that's why i wanted to like get you on the show and just just have a general conversation about the ketogenic diet now when you look at when you look at uh, the reviews from google and other search engines then the ketogenic diet or what is the keto diet was one of the top searched health questions in 2018. And in 2019, it became the second top. But then you started the ketogenic lifestyle way back in the day when there was no Google and you know they didn't have any search engines like that. So tell me, how did you find out about the ketogenic diet and how long have you been doing it for? Well, it's been 24 years now, and this was back when I was 16. I went to my family doctor because I wasn't feeling well. I was twice my size, and mm -hmm. um, that doctor told me I had something called PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is basically a type 2 diabetes that affects female fertility. Um, I also was given an acid uh, blocker for my acid reflex and an antidepressant because I was pretty severely depressed. Um, I didn't want to take those medications. And the doctor didn't really tell me why it was happening. And so I just had to do my own research. And even though there wasn't Google back then, you know, I couldn't like search the internet. It was very clear if you did any sort of, um, you know, research, Polycystic ovarian syndrome is a form of diabetes, type 2 diabetes. And what causes PCOS? Excess caffeine, sugar, and carbohydrates. And at the time, I worked at a coffee shop where I would make the cinnamon rolls and the scones and the muffins and whatever didn't sell after school, because um, I was still in high school then. After school, I would get to take all of those things home and eat them. 
Um, so I had to really change my life, but I'm a picky eater. I don't want to eat chicken breast and broccoli. And so I just started recreating some of my favorite recipes into low carb, sugar-free, you know, recipes that tasted really good and people really liked it. For sure. When I look at your recipes, like all those pictures, I haven't tasted any of them, but definitely they make me want to go into the kitchen. And I'm one of those people who don't really like cooking so much, but um, it makes... I'll come over and cook. Definitely. The next time you're in Dubai, we have to do this. Otherwise, I'll just take a plane and come to the US and see you. So we have to, we have to put that in. All right. So you create beautiful recipes like all over the place. Um, when you started, did you have any resource? Did you have any cook? Or this was all a part of your imagination? Were you creative as a kid? It was just, there was no cookbooks. Um, I, it was just my imagination. And it was just things that I really liked. Like I grew up eating lasagna on my birthday. Okay. And mm -hmm. so that was a deal breaker. Somehow I was going to have to have lasagna, but without the carbs. And so I started making this protein noodle lasagna, which is easier than making regular lasagna. And you can find that recipe on my website, go to ketomaria.com. It's free. Most of my, you know, I try to give out free information to everybody, but the protein noodle lasagna, people go wild for it. Even people in Italy are like, how is this not, how does this not have carbs? Um, so like there, it was just creating, recreating some of my favorite foods into healthier versions without the sugar or the carbs. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And um, you mentioned that you faced some kind of a health challenge before you started your journey on the ketogenic diet. And most of the times when I speak to people, they have a similar story. Maybe they didn't have PCOS, but they have other kinds of issues. Maybe it was brain fog. Maybe it was, you know, pre-diabetes or something like that. Yeah. But then when you, when you first began, did you think that the ketogenic diet or do you think now that the ketogenic diet is for everyone? Do you think we're designed to be on a ketogenic diet? Because this is one of the first questions that, or one of the first comments that people who know or don't know about the ketogenic diet will start making. The vegans will be like, hey, this is not a natural way of eating. Some people will be like, you can't continue like this forever. Some people will say, oh, we've, we've been born and you know we've been doing this um, for millions of years. I want to know your take on it. When I started, did I know it was called the keto diet? No. Um, was it called that? Not really. And what is called the keto diet now? I kind of bang my head against the wall because people think they need to add butter to their coffee and add fat here and add fat there. You don't need to add fat if your goal is to lose weight. Let's make that very clear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Higher ketones do not mean that you're going to burn fat better. It actually burns, probably means the opposite. So I just want that to be very clear. What I read on the internet, what the keto diet is. I don't necessarily think that's the best way for health. So I want that to be very clear. And if you think about the, okay, is a keto diet for everybody? I have not had a client not have success. But most people that are come to me because they want my help are doing keto completely the wrong way. If they have autoimmune issues, if they have MS, if they have Hashimoto's, if they have Graves disease, if they have whatever it is, they're usually doing keto the complete opposite of what I actually recommend them do. So I want that to be clear. And do I think everybody should do it? Like I said, 
everybody's gotten better that I've worked with. So yeah, I do. And if you think about veganism, I've worked with vegans and I know how my specialty is brain neurotransmitters. When you look at serotonin, dopamine, these neurotransmitters that help you feel well, feel happy, those come from amino acids and amino acids come from animal protein. And so every time I am working with vegans, they usually have, whether it be depression or anxiety or some sort of issue going on that way. And they're also having to eat during the day almost all the time. You know, all, every hour they're eating, 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 eating because their hunger is always there. If you look at our ancestral days, we wouldn't have survived. You can't spend that much time eating. And I feel that my life is so much more freeing because I can eat and be fine the rest of the day. I don't need to be constantly thinking about food. I like to go paddleboarding with the whales. So here's the thing. When I work with somebody who's a vegan or vegetarian, I ask them, is it because you love animals so much or because you think it's healthy? Because if you think it's healthy, sit down. I need to teach you some things. We're going to be here a while. Mm. But if it's because you love animals so much, I can respect that. Sit down. I'm going to show you some meal plans to eat. So I'm not a judgmental person, but I do want people to find success. And I do want them to know the truth about health. Because when you think about like anti-nutrients, if you put a, a steak in front of someone, a plate of blueberries and a plate of kale, which one do you think has the most nutrients in it? I'd say steak. If the steak does. The steak blows it out of the water. And if you want to go to a whole nother level, get, put some organ meat on that plate. Okay. It's yep. a whole nother step above. And the interesting thing that people think that I'm crazy for saying this, but the blueberries, the kale, those have a lot of anti-nutrients in them. And these anti-nutrients strip your body of what it needs to be healthy. And if you look at most of our vegetables, they're, they were poisonous. We bred them to be delicious. Like the first tomato was found high in the Antilles Mountains. It was so bitter, nobody would have ever eaten it. But we bred it to be delicious. If you look at the first um, watermelon, it was about this big and it was filled with seeds. Nobody would have ever eaten it, but we bred it to be really big. And now you have seedless watermelon that tastes very sweet. You know, so I don't know. Where do you want me to go from there? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, whatever you said. It just um, thank you for saying it. Thank you for saying it because you know it's a lot of people think that eating vegetables, or they often pride themselves on eating vegetables. And you brought up anti nutrients. It's like you can eat, and you go to a salad bar, right? Typical scenario: mm -hmm. you go to a salad bar, and then everyone's putting in the spinach, the kale. Uh, collard greens and everything but what people don't realize is that these these leaves plants vegetables they have these enzyme inhibitors like which is one of the anti-nutrients right so you have different enzymes that are responsible for digestion of different macronutrients so you have trypsin chromatrypsin you have lactase so many things and then a lot of people would pay extra money to put in the chicken breast or the salmon on top of it. But guess what? You're not really absorbing any of the protein or like some of the protein, at least partially from those big expensive salad boards because 
they have those kind of anti-nutrients. And I like the fact that you mentioned about tomatoes and watermelons and how we have bred them. The reality is plants have, and I want everyone to know this, that plants have been on this planet for longer than humans. They have been here for more than 500 million years. And the reason why they have survived is because they have developed these protective mechanisms inside of them that did not allow a predator to eat it and to leave them alone. So technically, a predator would just, predator or a bug or whatever, would just come and try to eat this plant. And this plant would be so poisonous or like they would just upset their tummy. And next, guess what? Next day, the entire herd of those predators don't come there and they leave the plant alone. And this is why the plant survives from, you know, all these factors. And now what we do is, I mean, I guess some plants, some vegetables are okay. But then you look at the majority of the ones, especially with GMO and glyphosate and all these plants that have been sprayed with all these pesticides and they're full of lectins, phytates, phytic acid, oxalic acid, like the list goes on and on. So I'm glad that you bought it up there. And thinking about if um, we were designed to be this way or not, well, it's worked in evolution a lot. Uh, babies, when they're born, they're in some sort of a ketogenic state because yep. The mother's milk is made out of at least 50 to 60% fat. And the cholesterol in the breast milk by itself is maybe five to six times more than what an adult needs. So there is this diet pathway that you don't even start using carbohydrates until you start growing up. And then, you know, you've, you've got the orange juice and like things like that. <laughs> and then, and you mentioned ketones. So um, I'm sure you and me know this, but a lot of people think about the ketogenic diet and they think about ketones as one, one simple or complex thing. But in reality, there are different types of ketones. So t- tell, us some, uh, tell us something about like which type of ketones are there and like probably how do you measure ketones? Because that's a big confusion. So a lot of people, they think that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to test my urine with these urine strips to see if I'm in ketosis and it will work for like the first two weeks, but then they get depressed. Like I'm eating the same thing. Why am I no longer in ketosis? It's like urine strips only tell you if you're hydrated, they can't test beta hydroxybutyrate and beta hydroxybutyrate is the actual blood ketone that you want to test, but you have to test it with your blood. Mm-hmm. Um, am I in ketosis? Yes. I eat maybe 10 carbs a day, total carbs. Don't get caught up in counting net carbs. That will cause you to fail. But, um, I also work out in a fasted state. So I'm using ketones for that energy. Okay. I run marathons fasted. I'm using that ketones for the energy. So when I test my blood ketones, they're very low. It doesn't mean that I'm not burning fat because I just use the ketones for my energy. Now, if I would drink a cup of butter, not that I recommend this, my ketones would go very high. Does it mean I'm burning fat? No, because I just stored a bunch of fat. Okay, it just means I have a bunch of ketones in my bloodstream that I'm not using. It's not necessarily a good thing. So if you're an athlete, don't get depressed if you're testing your blood ketones and they're only like 0.3. If you're not, you know, 3.0 or 4.0, you're like, yeah, I want really high ketones. That doesn't mean that you're burning fat. And let's be truthful. 
90% of people that try the keto diet want to lose weight, whether it be 100 pounds or 10 pounds. That's what they kind of come here for. You know, it's great for so many things. It's great for brain cognition, everything, but don't. And, and another thing, so I've been doing it for 24 years. My ketones are also low. If you look at the Inuits that were in ketosis, their ketones will go lower the longer that they've been keto. So that's another reason. The longer you've been keto, you might see lower ketones. That doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a badge of honor that the person with the highest ketone no. level is is being doing the ketogenic diet properly, guys. It doesn't work that way. They're like, like Maria said, you know, you can use those. Um, I wouldn't call them cheap. I mean, they're kind of cheap, but uh, <laughs> those urine urine strips, you can use those. But the thing is, it, they work in the beginning because they only measure a certain kind of ketone called acetoacetate. You have all these breath meters that can measure your acetone levels. But as Maria mentioned, the gold standard way to measure your ketones would be by pricking your blood, uh, you know, pricking your finger and getting a like a drop of blood in which you measure beta hydroxybutyrate and i'm really hoping there comes a point where you know how we have continuous blood glucose monitors yes. and we can have like continuous ketone monitors and mm -hmm. i really like the fact that you're you're out there and you're telling people that hey listen you know higher ketones isn't going to do any good because the reason why you have you probably have higher ketones is because you have an inability to use them in your cells for energy like Maria, she goes, she goes for a marathon and, you know, going for a marathon and going, working, even working out fasted just takes a lot of energy. So imagine if you have high ketones at that point, that means, I mean, you will have high ketones in the beginning when you're starting because your body doesn't really know how to use yeah. it. They're just exactly. floating around. They're just yeah. floating around. So um, don't fall into what the keto bros are telling you all around the world and it's not the highest your ketone levels don't matter like even in some scientific research 0.5 millimoles per deciliter to 0.8 is is good enough like you know you don't have to go I, even to one do you have this in india do you have these fake ketone drinks uh well in India, no, but I have come across or I have used in my journey, I've used ketone salts and ketone esters and these exogenous ketones. Okay, exogenous ketones. That's what I'm getting at because that's very popular in the US and people think, mm -hmm. oh, I need to drink that to be in ketosis in order to lose weight. And the truth is that just means that you won't use your own body fat to make ketones because you're using that crutch. Mm -hmm. You're using that to make ketones rather than your body fat. And what's interesting is when I did try them to experiment with them, I gained weight on them. And it wow. just shows how, I mean, you know, I just don't want people to think that they need that, waste their money on something that's gonna give them this false hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you use it, you do get a bit of uh, boost in cognition. That's what I've experienced because I've only used it in in circumstances when I was doing um, a competition or whether I was like super sleep deprived and I just had <laughs> I just, caffeine wasn't working at that point. So I just took in some ketone salts, which are ketones, which are bonded to salts such as magnesium, potassium and sodium. And yeah, I completely agree because you 
you know, if you want to get higher ketones, just um, follow the ketogenic diet or fast for some time or, you know, use something else. But exogenous ketones, they can be powerful, in my opinion, when it's used right. But it's not something that you use every day. There's also a lot of repercussions of using exogenous ketones when it comes to liver health because mm -hmm. the liver doesn't really, um, let's say, turn them around in a certain way. And I like that we're mentioning so many things about energy. Because at the end of the day, energy is a key to it all, right? I, in my opinion, I feel like if you have more energy, you can, yeah. you're a better person, you're, you're a better athlete, you're, you know, if you're working on a computer all day long, you're more productive, you yeah. can just get so much out. And the ketogenic diet has also been around, I mean, it's been around for so many years, but I think the first papers on the ketogenic diet were, came around 100 years ago. And they were examining how the effects of carbohydrate and ketones when it comes to energy. And I want everyone to know that when you think about like your carbs are your main energy source, think about it. Your carbohydrates can be stored either in your liver or your muscle or, or both of them together. But then if you top off the glycogen stores and the muscle glycogen stores, you have about, let's say, 2,000, 2000 calories, something, give or take. But then when you look at body fat as an energy source, then even if you're like super low in, in body fat, let's say you're like 7% body fat, that would give you like more than 20, 25,000 um, calories. And this is why, you know, we're talking about energy and how Maria can run that marathon because she's using her own body fat, her own energy. We spoke about endogenous exogenous sorry which is outside the body but this way she's using endogenous which the body promote yeah. um, uses by itself and also one thing which was surprising to me was like when you even compare ketone per molecule with carbohydrates then ketones can produce more than 25 percent like more energy in your cells so think about this we have got like so many cells millions no trillions yeah we've got trillions yeah. of cells and then if you want to use the ketones to provide energy through those cells like imagine your muscle cells you can lift 25 percent more weight or your immune cells can be 25 percent strong and you know your brain cells you can be 25 percent happier and i would think that that's a good impact for the yeah. ketogenic diet totally you're totally right and this is why when i do run marathons at mile 20 they have this wall up Usually marathons, they'll have the wall at mile 20 because that's when your body should be shutting down. But that's because most people are carb loading for their marathons. And what's interesting is I run right by that wall and I'm just fine. Have you tried to use um, carbs as well in your marathon strategy? Because I've recently looked at some research which says that if you have glucose well you have to be in a ketogenic diet for a good period of time and you have to be fat adapted but then if you introduce glucose before a race and then you simultaneously have elevated levels of ketones as well as uh, glucose and glycogen then chances are your i mean your performance just uh, improves a big time i'm actually going to tell you that nope in my situation um when i do add in carbohydrates my energy tanks it's as if someone is trying to do the keto diet in the beginning, you know how their energy gets low because their body doesn't know what to do with it. If I even add in, uh, 
a small amount, like say 20 grams of carbs or whatever, my energy goes down so bad to the point where I almost went to the doctor. I thought I was getting sick. Um, but no, it was just because I was um, eating too many carbohydrates. And then when I went back to my regular diet, my energy went right back up. So I don't know if it was just been because I've been doing it so long. What um, most experts have told me, it's just because that's what my body and cells know how to use. And when you add in those carbohydrates, it's just like going through the keto flu, but you're opposite. How many grams of carbohydrates did you add? Or were you um, adding? 20. 20, that's it. Yeah. That's it, just 20 grams. Wow, yeah. okay, that's uh, that. And for it people who are listening. Of, yeah. It's okay. For people who are listening, 20 grams, like just think about a banana. That's like 26 grams of carbohydrates. An apple might be like 30 grams of carbohydrates. So she's saying that she's, she's used 20 it grams. Was it was fruit. It was fruit to give me that instant energy. And it didn't give me instant energy. It gave me an instant energy tank. And that I did it for about like three days. And as soon as I stopped that following day, my energy went right back up. Have you experimented with um, continuous blood glucose monitors? Do you yes, see? I have. Um, yeah. And I'm the opposite there too. My son and I, I have two boys, they're 10 and 11. And we were both, uh, we were wearing CGMs. And my kids have been keto since I've adopted them. And we're the opposite. So when we eat, our blood sugars go down. That's when you'll see our lowest blood sugars almost. In the middle of the night, they're even lower. But let's get this clear. Our blood sugars are pretty even all day, okay? Mm -hmm. They're not like most people that are eating carbs are up and down and up and down. It's pretty even. But when we do eat, there's a slight tick down. And our highest readings are when we're exercising. So um, my 11-year-old went on a run with me. And our highest glucose readings were when we were running. And then when we would eat, it would go down. But for the majority of people, when they would run, their glucose would go down. And when they would eat, it would go back up. Mm -hmm. I think that is also because of the cortisol response. So probably when you're running fasted or you're running with, um, let's say, less energy in your tank, it, um, elevates it elevates cortisol. And when cortisol is elevated, it can also increase some... Mm -hmm glucose in the body just so you get more energy well, and you need glucose right but mm -hmm. when it, it you know our, your brain needs it but you can yeah. make it for protein and stuff your thyroid needs it but you can make it for protein and so when it does go elevated it's just circulating because i'm not using it mm -hmm. right so. let's let's talk about that you mentioned that your body can make i mean your your brain cells especially need some type of glucose but your body is able to make it in a process called gluconeogenesis. So tell us about gluconeogenesis and what that is and what that does for someone who doesn't, who's, who well, can't wrap their heads around this. Okay, so I really don't like talking about it because people get afraid of eating protein and they think that too much protein turns into sugar <laughs> and it's a bad thing. And so they limit their protein and then they get, they lose their hair and they're like, Maria, I'm losing my hair. Well, I'm don't like, the vegans tell you the same thing? We're losing our hairs, we're losing our nails. Yes, <laughs> they need to get their protein in, right? And protein is going to give you that beautiful hair, your, your thyroid health, all of that type of stuff is, you know, you need amino well, acids. Well, is I can that... say something to change their mind. Well, it's not only protein, it's also lactate and the backbones of glycerol that um, elevates 
gluconeogenesis. Right. But don't be scared of protein. I know, right? So don't be afraid of protein. But you know, at some point that you know that protein is going to give you what you need for your thyroid health and your hair health and all of these things. I find it uh, people get stuck in a rut when they do fat bombs or fat fasts where they don't really eat any protein. They're just eating like fat. fat. I don't know if you've heard of that where it's, it's kind of popular here or it was, they would do like an egg fast or a fat fast where all they would eat is fat because fat raises insulin the least and people get really afraid of their insulin rising, which mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing, you yeah. know? So they, they limit their protein. They only eat fat and they end up losing muscle mass. They end up losing their hair. Um, and it's just another one of those bad, um, keto things to do. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that is typically being advised to people who are using the ketogenic diet to treat seizures or epilepsy because that is a very strict ketogenic diet. Even in a very strict ketogenic diet, I think you're allowed up to, let's say, about 15%. Yeah, I mean, I work with a lot of families that have children with epilepsy or seizures and even adults too that have epilepsy or seizures. And I used to also believe that in that case, higher ketones did matter, but um, I've been doing protein sparing modified fasts. Um, and that's where you lower the fat, increase the protein and keep carbohydrates close to zero. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they actually get better doing protein sparing modified fasts. And in that case, they do not have higher ketones. Mm -hmm. I would say that this um, this whole effect also comes from insulating the myelin sheets in the brain. So the brain has this network of, I mean, your neurons are wrapped around these sheets of fat called myelin sheets, and they facilitate communication or better communication across neuronal, neurons. And I think increasing the fat would be would the way uh, people from epilepsy and seizures do see a difference it is yes because of ketones a little bit but it's mostly because of insulating those myelin sheets or probably uh, because there is a lot of mitochondria in the hippocampus and then it could be that those mitochondria are and we know for a fact that mitochondria can build more energy from fat so it could be that but i agree with you protein is so important the thing is is that's where the nutrients are so mm -hmm. let's be clear we want to eat the most nutrient dense foods to fuel our body properly and if you just eat a stick of butter you're getting close to zero nutrients well, at least you get yeah. some vitamin a whoop-de-doo but if you ate you know some steak even a lean steak like a tenderloin it's going to have all of those vitamins and minerals that you want to need to keep your body happy and healthy you know mm -hmm. I completely agree. Um, excessive, excessive consumption of fat are not going to get people anywhere. And this is why one of the reasons why people often on a ketogenic diet hit a plateau because they're just overfeeding themselves with fat. And then at the end of the day, like those calories do matter. Oh, and yeah. they will manifest in a certain way in this case. I like also see like higher glucose in the morning when you overfeed your body, mm -hmm. you know, it's like overfueling your, your car tank. You know, if you're overfueling it, you're going to see higher glucose the next morning. Um, so lowering the fat the previous day will help with that. But I also want to talk about the whole myelin sheath. <laughs> I think I don't know if you have this problem in India, but we're eating a lot of vegetable oils like soybean oil, oh, cotton yeah. oil, canola oil. And that's actually making 
our cellular walls damaged. Mm -hmm. And so is it really that we need a lot of fat or that we just need to heal our bodies and keep all the bad fats out of our diet so we don't get those diseases? I think that's a huge point that we're not really talking about in the community. I would completely agree. These seed oils and these omega-6 fatty acids, which you get from, again, highly processed seed oils, they're not, they're not even native, right? Because these are things which biology hasn't evolved to understand. So you take canola oil, which is again GMO, or soybean oil, or corn oil, or peanut oil, and then you have you, you take them to a factory and then you put some, God knows, I don't even know the process, but then you heat them to high degrees and then you cool them and you hydrogenate them. And then when it enters our body, our body really doesn't know how to use them mm-hmm. because we haven't developed the, because it's, it's never been found in nature. All these oils, right. like these are found in plants, but then, you know, it's not found in so much of volume with so many things added to it. So what happens is, it's cheap to produce it. Yeah, it's like a commodity product and it travels everywhere. And I completely agree with the fact that it is not just the fat. It is the right kind of fat that mm-hmm. you want to take in. So you want to take in more omega-3s uh, with a higher EPA and DHA, and which will actually help your cells and neurons. You know, butter could be a great example, coconut oil, grass-fed ghee. Uh, things like that. So I completely agree with you on that part. But I think I wrote about it on my website about, you know, the biggest keto mistake. You know, you can eat a lot of those, you know, zero carb fats like mayo and um, salad dressings, like ranch dressing. Everybody loves that. Like all of these bottled dressings and like mayonnaise and stuff that a lot of people are smothering on their foods are just keeping them away from their goals of health and weight loss and healing because they're filled with those harmful oils. You know, there's a word for it. It's called dirty keto. Ah, dirty keto. You know what's so funny? I had a woman who lost um, 250 pounds and they featured her on the cover of Women's World magazine. And they, they talked about me, which was cool in the magazine, but on the cover it said, you know, Twyla lost 250 pounds on ultra keto. And I'm like, ultra keto, she's just eating real food, you know, but that that's what they call it now ultra keto, because there's no process, you she actually had to cook her food, I guess. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens when a lot of people, um, they transition into the ketogenic diet. And then, you know, you have, I mean, it's, I wouldn't blame social media for it. But then there are people in the world who Mm -hmm. probably get away with certain things and you know they always post that they're having these big burgers with mayonnaise and like you know all those uh, ranch and things like that and what people start thinking is you know that is okay it shows a higher fat value so let me have that and then they do lose some weight but they seriously damage their health because of the same points that we said that you know your cell membranes are compromised and then it takes so long for your body to rebuild all of that so Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's worse than sugar or carbohydrates. In my yes, mind. because I would even say that sugar or carbohydrates could get you a inflammation response. But then if you're having sugar and you, you know, take the stairs, you can neutralize that blood glucose spike. If you're right. having like carbohydrates and, you know, you go for a postprandial walk, then that is also shown to, you know, 
activate right. your muscles and you lose you you bring the glucose down but then when you use these harmful dangerous fats or all these products that are ultra processed mm-hmm. and come in with you know a hell lot of toxins and you know things that we don't want from plastics and all these other nasty things then your your cell membranes like it it takes you so long and there is not a diet that you can do for that you just have to replace them and then they will damage the epithelial walls of the cells it yeah. it just brings so many things so guys if you're listening to this stick to what nature has given us mm-hmm. just try to think like is did this thing come from a factory or did this thing exist like 300 years ago like is it a part of nature or is it a just part of something else we don't eat anything from a package every i mean it just it's real food you know nothing from a package it's important mm-hmm. i'm i'm getting there i think i might have like a few things to swap but like i'm getting there there's no judging, you know. I, I mean, the reason why I was so sick and overweight is because I lived off of all that stuff. So there's no judging. I think that everybody's diet evolves. I didn't go right to eating ultra keto or whatever. It was a process, you know. And I, what our diet looks like five years from now, like we're all evolving. We're all getting better. And that's how I look at things. Like I'm always making new health goals because I do want to just keep evolving, you know. What's your current health goal? Um, you know, I used to teach yoga and that was probably, I don't know, 20 years ago. And my goal is to get back into it because it just like helped my mind a lot. I guess I am always working that I have a hard time finding time to fit that in, but I know that it's important. So, you know, that's my goal now. Interesting. My goal this year is to, in the beginning of the year, it was to do more yoga. I actually went to the the birthplace of yoga in you India. Did? Yeah, it's called Rishikesh. So I went there. I was traveling around India to a few of these top energy hotspots. And I wanted to see like the kind of vibration that is there, how people living, if it calms my nervous system down. So it was like an experiment. It was like a very touristic experiment. And um, yeah, I spoke to some people who've been doing yoga for like years and years. And then it was I was all excited, came back to Dubai, get onto the daily things and then you know that but i will i will definitely find time for yoga and i want to push my meditation for at least an hour oh man three days a week at least so that's that's my, that's my health goal that's i mean it's, it's good to do it for some time i mean it's easy to do it for some time but then you know it gets challenging does movement meditation work because i feel like i meditate when i'm actually running but mm-hmm. i'm not sitting still i'm moving um, but I don't sit still very well. So that's why I wondered if can meditation work if I'm moving? Well, uh, when you're moving, you definitely get those runners high and you get into the state of flow where, you yeah. know, things are just, I mean, it's just, I cannot even explain the state of flow to anyone. But is that thing that when you're running or you're engrossed in something that you really love and something a state where your mind goes where time just goes by and you don't even feel it but yeah. with meditation i think to get i mean it also depends what kind of benefits are you looking for right because with with some data that we've seen in meditation it's like uh you need to just switch everything off and like be in that traditional thing yeah. but that's only for you know activating more gray matter in the brain and just changing your brainwave frequency and you know probably just recovering from 
any past traumas or like getting more clarity. A lot of people use it to kind of uh, solve things. They get into a different timeline, all sorts of stuff. But I think uh, movement meditation is great. A lot of people advocate for it. Okay. But if it doesn't bring you all the, yeah, it doesn't bring you all the benefits. Okay. You mentioned something else as well in our conversation, which was the keto flu. Now, a lot of people might not be familiar with this word, but they will be familiar with how it feels because a lot of people have told me that, you know, I'm starting the ketogenic diet and, you know, they're all happy and excited. And I'm like, hey, listen, you have got to go to this, this, this. And they're like, yeah, my willpower is super strong. And I'm like, your willpower will be crushed, yeah. you know, when you first start. And one of the reasons why that happens is the keto flu. So tell us about keto flu, what it is, and what are your hacks around it? So the keto flu, I actually like to call the carb withdrawal because mm-hmm. I don't want to blame it on ketones. I want to blame it on the carbs because the carbs mm-hmm. made you be this. Um, so this carb withdrawal, you'll get rid of all of the carbohydrates mm-hmm. and your energy is going to tank. You're, you'll have heavy legs walking upstairs. You might cry easy. Your moods will be very bad. And it's not because carbs make serotonin. Let's make that very clear. What carbs do is they retain water. And when you eliminate carbohydrates, along goes a lot of water loss. And with that water loss goes a lot of electrolytes. So you can easily correct this keto flu carb withdrawal with getting enough salt and getting enough electrolytes. Um, And by doing that, your carb withdrawal will be a lot less worse. Some people don't feel it at all if they do it enough. But when you, when you are so dehydrated, this can cause depression. This will cause your energy to tank. This can cause uh, constipation. It's not that you need fiber to go number two. You don't. But you do need hydration. That colon needs salt. Um, you can't just drink more water when you do keto because you're just going to urinate all the time. You need more salt. And if you think about this whole ultra keto diet, Packaged foods are filled with sodium. They have so much sodium in desserts and breads and pastas and rice. They're filled with sodium. And so when you get rid of all of those things and you're looking at eggs, eggs don't have any sodium in them. And we've been told to fear salt. And so when we do finally make our eggs, we put very little on. Or when we make our steak, we put very little on. And so you're probably not getting near enough salt in a day when you're eating eggs and steak and chicken and things that don't have sodium. And so I tell people, if you set aside two and a half teaspoons of salt by your cooking vessel, if you don't use that in a day, add it to your water. And then, um, you know, being very cognizant, if you eat enough protein, you should get enough potassium. But if you don't, you might want to think about doing some sort of electrolyte that way. And also magnesium and zinc are very important. And so is it, be, is it that you need, if you're, def, you know, like people are like, so if this is the perfect diet, why do I need to do supplements? Here's the thing. Everybody's very deficient in magnesium because it used to be in our water supply, but now we're drinking bottled water, filtered water. Even I live on a well and our well water doesn't have magnesium because the soil is so depleted of it. And so it's not just people on keto that are deficient in magnesium. Everybody is. Okay. And it's not that keto causes deficiencies in sodium. It's that we're just so afraid of salt 
and most packaged foods are filled with sodium. So you're going from 200 milligrams, you know, like, or, you know, 2000 milligrams of sodium in a day to very little, that's going to be a shock to your system, as well as you don't have the carbohydrates to retain it. So you just need to add more salt in. Make sense? Yes, it does completely. And I couldn't agree more. Um, we've been demonizing salt for the longest period of time. And, you know, we've been, many countries have thought that salt increases blood pressure and can increase the rate of cardiovascular diseases. But the reality is it doesn't. Sodium no. chloride by itself might elevate your blood pressure a little bit, but it is because it is an absence of other minerals. You mentioned potassium, which is very important. You mentioned magnesium, and I couldn't agree more that over, I, I would even go as far as saying that 80% of the people around the world are deficient in magnesium. And when you think of magnesium, or when you think of sodium, or you think of uh, potassium, chloride, zinc, all of these are a, a group, a, a class called minerals. And what minerals do, especially when we come up to magnesium, magnesium by itself is involved in the enzymatic processes, like over 300 enzymatic processes and over 900 gene protein reactions. So just having less magnesium in your diet, you're depleting your body of all those 300 plus enzymatic processes. And then also I would uh, go far as far as saying that yes, electrolytes are important, but if you have, if you can somehow find like a mineral rich salt, which is not contaminated by microplastics or hasn't been, uh, you know, taken out from caves with a lot of pollution or something like that, then you can increase your overall mineral status. And when you increase overall mineral status, your cells get more energy the cells that produce ATP, which is the energy currency of your body, require minerals and require enzymatic reactions to do that. So, you know, your detox pathways, so many of your detox pathways like glutathione, your hormones, your adrenals, all of these require sufficient amount of minerals like, you know, your, let's say, your T3, T4, they require iodine and selenium. And without iodine and selenium, you might have a very hard time either gaining weight or losing weight. Mm -hmm. So I like that you mentioned that. And I would even sometimes put a high quality sea salt in my coffee, like just a pinch. And, you know, just because we know that things, beverages like coffee and tea also deplete your body of the minerals. So I couldn't agree more with you. Your ketosis reduces your body's ability to hold on to water. And because you pee everything out you lose minerals and then you add more water and then you pee that out and then you lose more minerals so this is like a vicious cycle so i mean have decent amount of water and make sure you're replenishing yourself with minerals because most of the mineral bottles of water after filtering or reverse osmosis or whatever processes they lose out on a lot of minerals so even if you have like a good water filter make sure that you add some minerals mm -hmm. what's your thoughts on medium chain triglycerides which is like a which is like a very highly popular word in the ketogenic community i think it's a highly processed oil that has less nutrients than sugar does okay you're the first one who's telling me that tell me more 
Um, I have charts on, you know, like we demonize sugar because it's like this empty calorie. There's actually nutrients in it where MCT oil is really uh, empty calorie because there's no nutrients in it. You do not need MCT oil for a ketogenic diet. Um, and it, it often causes upset stomach. It causes diarrhea. It causes, um, I don't know. I think it's just so people think that they need to buy all of this stuff in order to be in ketosis. Do I use MCT oil? Absolutely not. Um, okay. It's another form of getting exogenous ketones. Like you said, the, the, you know, the external form of ketones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, do you, people think that it's great for energy, this and that, but try it. It's probably going to give you diarrhea and an upset stomach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You will. It's a processed oil. It's a very highly processed oil. Exactly what we were talking about earlier. The processed you, oil. Yeah. Um, if you, if you have, if you go overboard and you use it like your olive oil on a salad, then you're going to have this, you're going to be in the toilet for a very long time. Take that from me. I've replace tried it. it. Replace it with like protein. Replace mm -hmm. it with protein and you'll be better off with the nutrients mm -hmm. and with your, your body composition. Mm -hmm. What about fiber? What do you think um, fiber does what? and what's your take on fiber? Um, fiber is like steel wool to the intestines. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you don't need fiber to go number two. Just think about newborn babies. They poo all the time and they don't eat any fiber. Mm -hmm. um, but we get addicted to fiber. It's causing like an irritant to the intestines. And if I work with a lot of people that have diverticulitis, Crohn's or colitis. And what mm -hmm. does a doctor tell them? Eliminate all the fiber, right? Because that is causing so much damage. What I'm telling all of you, eliminate the fiber before it causes all of this damage. Mm -hmm. um, it causes a lot of bloating. Um, it actually causes more constipation because it causes bulk to the stools. Um, you don't need it for good gut health. Um, something like collagen or like the tissues of meat are a much better form of um, like a prebiotic fiber. Um, you know, for like, uh, what am I trying to say? A prebiotic, not a fiber. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's totally overrated. I wrote a carnivore cookbook. Um, and uh, doing a lot of research about that, it's just, it's unneeded. It causes a lot of gas and bloating. If you don't want to have, you know, if you're going on a date and you don't want to have gas, don't eat the fiber, right? Mm -hmm. Get a steak. Do you, um, and also when we classify fibers and we have insoluble fiber and soluble fiber, are you saying both of them are equally as bad or insoluble ones, the one that, you know, sits in our gut and ferments and then our gut bacteria can use it to, you know, feed themselves like the prebiotic fiber you mentioned. Do they have a role? I'm saying that they both are unneeded. That's what I'm saying. Um, like my, my husband eats 100% carnivore and he's mm -hmm. never been healthier. Um, I ate carnivore. I've added in plants, you know, like you said, you know, a few like onions and garlic, you just can't replace that with anything. You know, you need some flavor, right? You need some taste um, in your life. I know. Um, but it, it's not needed. Um, so I, I just want that to be clear. Neither insoluble or soluble fiber is not needed for gut health or going number two or any of that. Mm -hmm. 
What's your take on, or have you put any of your clients on either a cyclical keto diet or a targeted keto diet or any other kind of, any other ultra keto diet you mentioned, but uh, <laughs> anything else? Um, I use protein sparing modified fast um, with my clients, but uh, cyclical keto, I'll just say that you will lose more muscle mass. It's been proven if you do like this, you know, carb cycling or like uh, carb loading or anything like that with the ketogenic diet, you will lose muscle mass because your body's just not sure which um, it's using for fuel. Um, and I will say that a lot of people end up falling off the wagon when they do that because even a sweet potato will cause their sugar cravings. Let's be honest, a lot of people have a lot of food addiction and getting rid of the sugar and the carbohydrates helps free them from those carbs, carb addiction. And when they start sneaking it back in even in like a controlled type of a diet it, they fall off the wagon and it takes a really long time to get back on so no there's no need to it's not it, you'll just end up losing muscle mass mm -hmm. do you see any hormonal changes um, when people go on keto long term uh, yeah, it actually helps normalize their cycles. Um, I have, um, I do keto coaching. Um, I have like a, basically a keto college and mm -hmm. one of my students, um, is 60 years old and her cycle came back and she was like, damn it. Uh -oh. I didn't know my cycle, but I was like, this is good. This means longevity. This is keeping you youthful. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had, um, a woman who, uh, one of my coaches, um, almost 50 years old and she had a baby. <laughs> so like, you just have to be aware that you're much more fertile on the keto carnivore diet. Mm -hmm. And what about you spoke about muscle loss, but can you build muscle on a ketogenic diet? Because oh, traditionally, yeah. um, the way muscle building has been recognized is yeah, you have a lot of growth factors, but you also need insulin, which comes from a heavy carbohydrate load to shuttle protein into the muscle and then, you know, maybe increase more muscle protein synthesis. Actually, I don't agree with that. I don't think carbohydrates can increase muscle protein synthesis, but they can allow for the protein to get into the cells easier. What's your take on that? Uh, you can certainly build uh, a lot of muscle on a ketogenic diet. Just look at, there's a whole group called keto gains and they're bodybuilders. They're huge and they eat, you know, zero carbs. They, you don't need that. And you can use other sorts of food to shuttle, you know, the protein into the cells faster. Something like whey protein would do that, but you can do it on pure animal protein. It's all mm -hmm. needed. Like look at Sean Baker. Like he's a huge carnivore. He eats nothing but meat and he's massive he's going to be on the podcast soon we're just uh, we're just talking yeah for sure i'll do that and uh what's your take on sweeteners because uh, a lot of i mean the ketogenic one of the best things i think that happened on the ketogenic diet because when i used to first be on it um I was just so strict and, you know, there weren't these companies coming out with the, all the great things. And you know my story. I don't really like to cook. So I was just eating, you know, just some fat and like a little bit of vegetables and some protein. And then I got introduced to all these companies which had all these, you know, then now there were keto cereals and then there were keto bars and keto chocolates. And I was like, in the beginning, I was just like, wow, this is going to change my life. And then I realized that, you know, it's got a lot of, sweeteners and things like that so what's your take on sweeteners good bad special ones 
There are certain ones that will not affect insulin. They'll not affect your blood sugar, but you have to be careful. Like stevia, it's great, but a lot of times they bulk it with maltodextrin, which is a corn mm -hmm. derivative, or like those products will use inulin fiber, which is a type of sweetener, a tapioca fiber, like those types of things are not recommended. I'm very clear about which ones will not increase blood sugar or insulin levels and that are safe. And I do use them. Um, and that, I think that's what helped me stay on the diet for 24 years. And I also have 10 and 11 year old that eat this way and we make gummy bears and we make things because I think food can be pleasurable. I think there's a fine line to making it your life and making it somewhat enjoyable. I think you should enjoy it, you know? Um, and so they're safe ones, but you have to be aware of which ones. So which ones are safe? Uh, I wrote a, you know what? I wrote a whole blog post on mariamindbodyhealth.com okay. about it. But So anyone who's listening, go to the website and then you'll get to know. <laughs> I, um, okay, perfect. And then, so we spoke about exogenous ketones, which might be a good way to hack ketones, but it's not recommended. We spoke about the ketogenic diet. Are there any other ways to induce ketogenic, the state of ketosis in the body? Have you looked at some other biohacks or, you know, some other things that surprisingly um, elevate ketone levels if you apart from butter? I mean, if you fast long enough, that will raise ketones, but you'll also eventually lose muscle mass. So I'm not a big fan of extended fasting um, for that reason. Also being, you know, I'm an athlete and stuff like that. And I, you know, enjoy to eat. So uh, I don't, you know, but extended fasting would do that. I mean, as long as you keep the carbohydrates low enough, you will be in ketosis. Do you have a personal fasting practice? Um. Fasting was like intermittent fasting was hard for me because I, you know, grew You're so up active. On, well, I grew up on a standard American diet where I don't think I was necessarily hungry, but my mind thought that I was, you know, it was just the habit of eating every so often. And so now it's very easy. I practice like a 16, eight. Um, I, I don't force it. It just happens. Um, I don't wake up hungry. Um, so I don't eat until after I run. So, okay, perfect. And you know, this conversation has just been so fantastic. We covered so many great points and thank you so much for all the wisdom that you've shared with us. And now for my last question to you today, if you had access to a time machine, now let's put on imaginary hats and then think that you have an access to a time machine. And you could rewind back time and you could go back to your younger self when you were like 20, maybe your 20s. What would be that one, or you can give yourself more pieces of advice that you would give yourself knowing all that you know right now, but this doesn't have to be on the ketogenic diet or health or it could be on anything. Oh, wow. Um, so much of my life, has been like unpredictable. Like I was a planner and I probably would tell myself that it's all going to be okay. Um, I know that's kind of vague, but uh, my whole life has been um, absolutely the opposite of what I thought it would be, but it's so much better. So if I would have planned it, it wouldn't have been as cool. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, thank you for saying that. And a lot of people often, including myself, uh, think that we are normally in control of all the circumstances because we're smart and, you know, we're, we're, we're either fast or smart or, you know, we've got everything right and all the calculations would lead to that precise moment. But the reality is from the grain of sand in the desert to the tidal waves to the way the moon changes, things are mysterious in this world and things are not in control. And we can only understand a piece of whatever's going on. But that doesn't mean that we understand really what's going on. We believe we know what's going on. And that knowing something in and out tells us that we're like in control of it. But the reality is there is no control. And the time you give up on control and you take a step back and you be like, hey, I'm going to let go and let's see how this goes. Yep. For normally, like, I would see magic happen. Yep. The thing is, we're always in this cycle of like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this and this will lead to this. And then our mind just, our monkey mind keeps jumping from like one thought to the other thought to the other thought. So I'm completely with you there. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's really needed these days. I've had such a mindset as well. And now I'm like taking your advice. And I'm sure the listeners are taking your advice. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And Maria, thank you so much for today. This has been lovely. Thank you so much for all the work you've done, all the lives you've touched, and all the people that you've helped healing. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, If they go to ketomaria.com, they'll find me on YouTube. They'll find my website. They'll find my free recipes. They'll find everything there, just ketomaria.com. And they'll find that blog post too. They will. They will. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and you take care of yourself and everybody take care of yourself. This is CJ signing out from shiftwithcj.com. Everyone have an energetic day ahead of you. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated 